You have one new voicemail message. Message received nineteenth of September at six o seven p.m. Cheer, brothers. Get to be a queer. Um, it's funny. One of the things with um, drinking that I think makes it really difficult for people to talk about is uh, actually around um, the idea that it really exposes our vulnerability. Now, for a lot of us, especially in New Zealand. Um, when it comes to confidence and when it comes to expressing ourselves, we're not really um, in an environment that encourages to do that. And then when I think of drinking, for a lot of us, drinking becomes the first chance in a lot of our lives that we actually are able to do it uninhibited. Because um, it kind of gives us that excuse um, to, to be ourselves and express ourselves um, without the shame that typically comes um, with that, especially in the society and the way we kind of think in New Zealand. And a lot of us become really tied to, I guess, the perceived power that drinking gives us which is why we build up such bad relationships with it because we really rely on it for a lot of the things um that it gives us so yeah it's just as much uh i think a shame around the the fact that there's even a reliance on drinking for our confidence and for our ability to express ourselves uninhibited that makes it really difficult to talk about nobody wants to admit that they don't know how to talk to people properly let alone the fact that they need to be drunk to do it and um Everybody else may know it, but, you know, we never want to admit it ourselves. And, and that's what I think makes it a hard thing to talk about. But anyway, check your text. Hit me back. Miss you. Love you. Fucking floored this somebody. First article comes from New Zealand Herald, published June 2015. Headline says, Late Night Booze Ban on the Horizon. Tagline says, Bars could close hours earlier and one-way door policies be introduced across Auckland if police and local, author- and local health... It's tough, isn't it? That's crazy. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> welcome. Bro, welcome to the jungle, bro. Welcome this is to the... so much harder than it looks. Ah. Tagline. Bars could close hours earlier and one-way door policies be introduced across Auckland if police and local health authorities get their way. First comments from Andrew. How bloody patronizing and mumsy to have bedtime dictated to you. No thought for shift workers. Obviously, no one remembers the six o'clock swell. Given the comment literally ended with no one remembers the six o'clock swell... Yeah. I'll give you a bit of history. I'll take Kai's job for a second. Yo. So it was part of the New Zealand way of life for a period of time in the short period between the end of the working day and closing time. What you saw around local bars was men crowded together to drink as much beer as they could before bar service ended and 15 minutes of su- supping up time was announced. First of all, supping up is such a weird term. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to men drinking, like drinking as much beer as they could, that sounds... T- tough it sounds very dangerous and yeah. horrible and also be like end of the working day is about what five o'clock and yeah the closing time is like six something six thirty so the, that's why it was called the six o'clock swill right yeah swill 
Yeah. You yeah. can imagine how nasty that was. Oh, yeah. Um, for those who also don't know New Zealand jargon, mumsy uh, means to give an impression of dull domesticity, uh, dowdy or unfashionable. Yeah. And it's clear to see that in this comment, Andrew is clearly against a booze ban in any way, shape or form. Next comments from Nelson. Lower the alcohol levels as the night progresses. Stop selling 37% and more by 6 p.m. 15% by 9 p.m., 5% and less after 12 p.m. Well, Nelson, how do you monitor quantity? Of course, this is a pretty clever idea on the surface, right? Like 37% meaning hard liquor and spirits, yeah. 15% meaning wines, and 5% meaning like you know beers and RTDs. Scaling back does work in some instances, but a plan like this seems impractical and like pretty difficult to roll out like in mass. And I think it kind of then also lends itself to some form of a six o'clock swill, which inevitably just encouraged people to drink as much as they could. And this idea, which on the surface, like I remember reading it and I was like, yo, Nelson, yeah, that's a great idea, yeah, would potentially cause similar issues where you just have people drinking into oblivion until the next time and then the next time, etc. Exactly. Next comments from Gail. If you need to drink until you fall down, then do it in the dirt in your own backyard. I don't think anyone will care. Close the bars at a respectable time. You see, New Zealand already has a problem with hazardous drinking. So in Gail's eyes, drinking until you fall down, you know, public disorderly behavior. This is something that we have in our laws. Mm -hmm. And statistically speaking, 52 individuals or groups of people are either driven home or detained in police custody because of intoxication every single day. 52 is a lot, man. That is a lot. 52 a day? 52 a day is a lot. Yeah. I don't even think that, yeah, I, don't, I won't even be able to like understand what that means like in mass. But, yeah. but back in first year, I remember we had this like game and I'm not incriminating anybody. So allegedly on all of this, <laughs> um, it was seven and seven under seven. Yeah, it's like you gotta you gotta break that down. It's a seven dollar bottle of wine. Yeah, oh, pre-inflation, crazy. Yeah, I know, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> heard of. Uh, I think it's in 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 seven minutes. Yeah, and it's got to be a seven standard drinks. Um, so we're talking about drink until you fall down. Like fall it, down. like it's 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 unbelievable. And yeah. I think and anybody can yeah. If you if you've heard of that game and you think that I've done the rules wrong, please let me know. Yeah, let us but know. But no matter how I've done the rules wrong, it's inhumane. Yeah, it is wild. It's it's disgusting. But nobody was like expected to walk to town after that, you know. Yeah. And to think that we were doing that and people were like allegedly um, expected to go to parties or whatever is wild. Yeah. And it makes me think of also back to when I was at university and when I was an RA and we had a residential advisor. So you look after the first year students, make sure they have a good experience. And we had hall rules, which dictated that you were only allowed to drink alcohol in individual rooms. You weren't mm. allowed to do it in the common area. And as I got older and kind of thought about it, I was like, this is really promoting some some harmful behaviors of just telling people drink in isolation. Now, of course, you're going to have people in your room, but people are then going to drink in isolation by themselves. And that's when a lot of harm can also take place versus doing it in the safe confines of potentially a common space, uh, your dining hall. So yeah, I think Gal hits on many things in this comment. Yeah, absolutely. Next comments from Carl. Haha, I'm 26 and can't handle alcohol. No one can. It's alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, like, it sucks to be a lightweight, but... It can also be more economical. 
like spending less on drinks and, and still getting buzzed, as Carl's clearly saying here. Like you, you have to be cautious when you're drinking, but saying that you can only handle like one or two drinks, not only is it cheap, but you're having a good time. Exactly. And it, it, as you said, it just means that you need to not try and keep up with everybody around you. Otherwise, you're going to be in for a really tough time. But it's also interesting that they're referencing 26 as though it's an age out of the way. Like yeah. you're old, you're washed up at that point. 26 is not old in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. But in binge drinking culture, it clearly is, or at least for Carl. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And I mean, like, if 26 is old... It really supports that stat that one in three young people aged between 12 and 16 engage in binge drinking. Yeah. And so if you're starting around 12 years old, that's 14 years of binge drinking. You, you're done. That's you're, a career, You're bro. done. That's yeah. a career. You got to retire. Yeah, exactly. Hang them up. Next article is from News Hub. Published February 2015. Headline says, Hyde Street Party. Teen hospitalized. First comments from Jessica. It's one week a year. And it's in the same place and same time every year. They're going to do it, so just leave them to do it. Most of there are our future doc nurse. That's crazy, bro. It's hard to read out the comments, isn't it? You sat there for seven episodes of Rhythm Out. That's crazy, bro. It's quite difficult. I didn't expect to do this. Now try it again, boss. Try it again. Most of them are our future doctors and nurses, our children's teachers. If they want to blow out before spending five years hardworking to one day save my life, then I say go for it. So on this article, we're talking about Hyde Street. Yeah. And for those who do not know, Hyde Street is located in Dunedin. Hyde Street and Castle Street are the most notorious streets for O-Week and Re-O-Week parties and events. Uh, in 2015, critic editor, which is a student magazine, Josie, said the about 2,000 partygoers that night of the girl's injury was a number that reflected just normal O-Week partying. 2,000 students. Now that is wild as well. But then also just reading in Jessica's comment, the idea that so because the fact that there are future doctors and nurses, are teachers, that they can have a blah. What about casual Tom just doing a BCom? Yeah. Are you, nah, Tom, you ain't going to be one of our teachers, so you can't. You can't you know? be out here doing that. You imagine that you're at a bar and be like, yo, now nah, you still your, your degree, BA, my brother. Oh, BA? Nah. Tough. Sorry. Nah. Go I'm gonna back. I'm going to take that drink from you. I'm so sorry. Exactly. That's mm. wild. No, that's actually wild. You're right, though, because I feel like if you're in like one of those higher education points of, yeah, doctors, nurses, medicine or whatever, they're just kind of like, ah, right, you can do what you want. Exactly. Because you might one day save my life. Yeah. Shout out to BCom students real quick. Shout out. Next comments from Beverly. Poor, poor students. They're so broke yet always seem to have money for alcohol. We've been here before. Man, we've Dictating been here how people spend their money. How do they have their money for? I don't know. They're not a yeah. Stop. Come on. Stop. It speaks to a deeper problem that we immediately like make students like of the lower class though. Mm. Like even though they're making a long-term investment, you know, we just saw Jessica say that, oh, you know, they're, they're spending five years hard working to become like our doctors and nurses. We're st- we still see them as like the lower class. And you know, the crazy part is that, Places like Otago, Hyde Street, would be nothing if they weren't student cities. Absolutely. Students offer so much to these cities in Dunedin and Wellington and Auckland. We got to give them their praise. Yeah. Next comments from Leslie. Look, this is crazy. These are young people just out of school, first experience away from home, off to uni, not knowing a lot about the dangers of booze, and it's cool to go to all these student parties. How the hell do these young ones sit degrees while drinking and partying, how do they get degrees to become teachers, become doctors, become lawyers, etc.? It's just crazy. 
I have watched that show on television called Renters, and sometimes they have student flats, and I think, boy, if I was a parent of a student living like that, being so filthy and disrespectful of someone else's home, I would be ashamed. Look, Leslie just sounds like a concerned parent, and while I kind of think it's a bit over the top, it does ring true of what a parent would say if they saw this and we were, you know, in Otago. No, you're absolutely right. I think if we think about what our parents would have said if they had saw us in Haichu, could you imagine? Oh, they would. Oh, they would be so concerned. Your mom would be concerned for both of us. Literally. But then when you look at it from this point of view, from an Otago Uni study, where they found that those who drink heavily were labeled positively and viewed as sociable. It flips it on its head, the social currency that you get from being somebody who is a big drinker. And there was a study from Dr. Kristen Robertson there. You know, you're absolutely right, though. And I think that's what a lot of these students are, are finding, that like to be labeled positively or to be, you know, in the certain social situations where opportunities may arise. Yeah. You know, as Leslie said to herself, this could be their first experience away from home. Yeah. They're wanting to make friends. They're wanting to learn like, like new things. Alcohol comes hand in hand with that. And on the other hand, those who limit their drinking were viewed similarly to those who abstain and were labeled using explicit, emotive, and derogatory terms. That's from the same study by Dr. Kirsten Robertson. So those people who were like, nah, you know what, I'm not actually trying to drink, were not actually just lift to their own device. They were being... Hounded. Yeah. Pressured. You got to explain why. And I can speak to that. I didn't drink during my five-year time at university. Right. The amount of time, oh, why is that? Having to come up with a reason as to why you're actually not drinking. You got to come up with an excuse. Got to come up with bars. That's ridiculous. Got to come prepared. Is that why you're so good at podcasting? You're just thinking on your feet, huh? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I was actually practicing all this time. You're welcome. Look at that. Next comments from John. And lowering the drinking was a good idea, eh? Now, I think in this comment, John means to say that lowering the drinking age. Um, and to speak to that, the drinking age was lowered in 1999 from 20 to 18 years old. So that was like a last ditch attempt to try and slow down the binge drinking culture in New Zealand, right? By limiting the age, they thought, okay, cool, less people are going to have access to alcohol, so the drinking is going to go down. Mm -hmm. But what actually just happened, there was more frequent drinking at home by younger people as opposed to going out to pubs where they obviously weren't allowed to go to or weren't allowed to get alcohol. So... Mm -hmm. I kind of don't know how that ever could have worked. Yeah, you kind of wonder where the politicians were. As you said, it was a last-ditch effort. Yeah. Right? Like, you kind of wonder, like, what, what were you thinking? But when did you first buy alcohol? I first bought alcohol probably at an age which is older than everybody else, but at around 23 years old. Oh, wow. My first year post-university, and I was there for five years. So, yeah, I just turned 23. Dang. I think I bought my first when I was, like, like 19. Of course, I was able to buy it by 18, but I didn't have like a, like a registered identification. You didn't have a driver's license? No. I, you know what? In this podcast, I'm standing up for all those people who can't drive. <laughs> I'm standing up for all those people that's who your, do not. That's your community, huh? This is it. You know what? I'm about all to drive right. us to an ad break. <laughs> Unpack can't exist without you. For two plus years, Kai and I have recorded in his flat, my mum's office, my mum's old flat, and my dungeon-like friend's flat. Honestly, anywhere. We love what we do, but it isn't consistent or sustainable without the support of our patrons. For a few dollars a month, you can gain access to this. It's the idea that in getting married, the bride-to-be is shackling him and stealing him from the quote-unquote lads. 
trapping him in a life of Thursday night missionary, Friday night book club, and Saturday brunch with the mother-in-law. This is the people need to know. Okay. They listen and love letters part one. Whoa. They need to know. So what happened with you two? Wow. <laughs> like, what happened to you two? Yo, why are you just dropping me in on this? So you sent the, you dropped the letter off, yeah. right? Uh-huh. You were talking during the day or whatever. Uh-huh. They received the love letter. Yes. I presume they read it. Who knows? Correct. What happens next? Okay, first of all. And this bonus content. I'm leaving the world a better place than it was before. So uh-huh. what does legacy actually mean to you in that context? Mum always told me not answer a question with a question. But before I answer that, I do, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do have to ask you a question. Is also like what... Like, if, if you were just going to open a dictionary right now, or like one sentence to define legacy, what do you think, like, what do you think, like, the, the master definition is love legacy? With those funds, we've been able to launch Coalesce, our storytelling company, at Coalesce and Set on Instagram, and PhD Unpacked, where we make long, drawn-out academic research more accessible and more consumable for y'all, at PhD Unpacked on Instagram. But hold on, pump the brakes. You don't have any spare dollars with the cost of living crisis? Hey, lass, I got you. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Sharing Unpacked with a friend always has been and always will be the best way to support a pod. Share our content on social media, tell your auntie about it, listen to it at night with your significant other. Actually, that might be kind of weird if talking about whataboutisms and confirmation biases doesn't get you going like it does to me. But look, I gotta get back to my day job. (laughs) Um, Enjoy the rest of the episode. Next article is from News Hub, published July 8th, 2022. Headlines is, Disgusting. Backlash after Auckland Bottle Store makes Afterpay available. Tagline is, Some say this is just a step too far. First comments from Gay. No different than a credit card, is it? Um, yeah, um, yes, it's way different. Yeah, a little bit. It's 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 very different. To to break it down, a, a credit card will charge you interest. Uh, Afterpay will not. And while that seems dope, because you know it doesn't have the consequence of not paying. And you know what? Nah, Tabby. You know what? Let's break it. Let, let's break it down. Yeah. Hi, Bank Tabby. I would huh. like to borrow a hundred dollars. Okay, cool. So we're a bank. Here's your hundred dollars. Now you're gonna pay interest on that. What? So because of the fact that I'm giving you this $100, uh-huh. I need to get some money back in return to make this profitable for me. So I'll get 20% interest back. So when you give me $100 back, I'm going to want 20% on top of that. Okay. End scene. <clears throat> okay, so that's what it would look like if I like applied for a credit card, right? Now let's do it with you and Afterpay. Hi, Afterpay Tabby. I would like $100. All right, easy. There you go. That. that. That, that's it? Yeah, that's it. There's no, there's no issues, no strings attached. You got it. It's all right. I, all right, bro. See, the difference there is that the credit card and going to the bank affects our credit rating, right? Because if I don't give you that $100 back with the interest, yeah. you're going to be like, next time you come around, I'm going to say no. I'm going or it's just going to be less likely the, more you, the longer you take to pay me back and the more you don't actually pay me back in general. Exactly. Whereas with Afterpay, they're not a bank. And they don't actually care about your credit rating per se. Yeah. They just loaning you the money. You could pay it back and then you just, it, it, we forget about it. We forget you ever loaned us. Next comments from Nigel. I like a drink as much as the next guy, but this is pretty bloody ridiculous. It's actually pretty sickening and morally bankrupt. 
Afterpay definitely doesn't qualify as a help service here. I mean, this was the majority outlook on it, right? Like, yeah. if we're using Afterpay as a help service, we're using it in the wrong area. Like, when someone says morally bankrupt, they're meaning that this action is done without, like, feeling or remorse. And you mm. have to ask yourself, like, if it's done with alcohol, yeah. Is that really its purpose? Exactly. You know? Exactly. For Afterpay, you know, I, I, I thought it was just for clothes. Originally, that is also what my understanding was. But with alcohol, that's that's a perishable, you know? Absolutely. Also, no, good on Nigel for saying that, like, you know, I like alcohol, too. You know, I'm not against the whole, like, you know, binge drinking thing or whatever. But, like, this is a step too far. Yeah. Next comment from CJ. Would love if the doctors slash dentists would afterpay. That would make more sense than alcohol. Ooh. Honestly, it's one of the better ideas that we've had from yeah. the comment section. I mean, I don't know whether we're even far away from this. Maybe it'll happen next week. But the fact that it's been made for alcohol retailers first is something to question. Yeah. And I think if doctors and dentists had afterpay available, A, could our health system handle that? But think about how more accessible it would be for people to go. Instead of putting off that dentist appointment for two years because it's so pricey, I could pay it off over time. Absolutely. And you know what? You need the dentist appointment more than you need the box on Friday night. You do. Next comments from Adrian. Hilarious. You've always been able to buy booze with a credit card, which is buy now, pay later with 20% interest. But they don't want people to be able to buy now, pay later with no interest. Hmm. Let's, um, you know what? Let's take a step back here because... Adrian's kind of calling us out as well, right? Yeah. Like, why do we care so much? Yeah. The entire idea of interest on a social level is to punish those who can't pay back the debt immediately, right? That's true. So you now owe more out of the convenience of me actually having the money to give you. Yeah. But for those people who can't handle to pay interest and can only pay back what they couldn't afford initially, all of a sudden we have a problem with it. Yeah. So this is actually a great point from Adrian. Because it does force us to have this discussion of whether we are, once again, mm-hmm. making choices for those who are less fortunate, maybe on behalf of them, the people who maybe need to afterpay alcohol. You know, we remember the doll episode, right? Oh, yeah. On that we maybe shouldn't be putting our hands in the pockets of people who maybe need this welfare support and deciding what they do and don't spend their money on. You know, people should have the autonomy for themselves. Absolutely. You know what? You're right. Because whether you're using a credit card or you're using Afterpay, the general thing is that you don't have the money up front initially, or maybe it's more inconvenient to pay it all up initially. Yeah. And what business is that of ours? Exactly. And also I think another element of this is where it's been made available. It's been made available at one alcohol retailer in South Auckland, a part of the country where there already are a lot of bottle shops. There already are some other issues that they need support with. You know, this isn't being put in one of the wealthiest suburbs in the country. This was planned. Next article is from Stuff, published September 2016. Headline says, Opinion, New Zealand is a nation of drunks. Tagline says, student drinking in New Zealand is so ingrained that binge boozing events have become institutional. First comments from Karen. Get lost, it is not. Maybe the author of this article needs to go to the UK. Get lost, it is not is the worst start to any comment. <laughs> you are throwing your toys out of the pram. Literally. But also you're, you're, you're shifting the blame. We there. love some blame shifting <laughs> in New Zealand. Ridiculous. We love moving the goalposts. Look, in England in 2018, 82% of 
of adults drank alcohol in the past 12 months, with 49% of adults drinking at least once a week. Now, without even looking at stats around New Zealand, uh-huh. does that feel like it's more or less than us? Because those are some high numbers. Those are some high numbers. 49% at least one a week? Would you say that New Zealand is also at, or if not worse, than 49%? Because, as we said, that's almost half a country. That's half the country drinking once a week. Yeah. At least. Because that's half of all adults. Just once a week. Yeah. That's, yeah. I feel like, yeah, you could, you could, I feel like you could actually just say, yeah, New Zealand, and nobody would blink an eye. Literally. That's ridiculous. For Great Britain, around 10% drank on five or more days in the previous week. Five or more days. That's a scary stat. That's literally either every day of the working week or every day of the week. That's nuts. 10%. That's nuts. Next comment from Dean. Most people I'm forced to interact with for work, etc., are alcoholics. Yet they all deny it. Now, we don't know what Dean does for work. (laughs) Damn, Dean. We don't know what Dean does for work at all, but it's never great to deal with alcoholics, right? Whether you're a teacher, director, a podcaster, whether you're in hospitality or something. Yeah. It's going to be rough. Honestly, regardless of the actual specific addiction itself. You know, like it's going to be difficult to work with somebody who has something monopolize their life, their meaning, their thoughts, their everything. The new estimate in New Zealand is that we have 400,000 quote unquote alcoholics, which means around 10% of our 4.4 million population when the study was done was an alcoholic. And this was done by the National Addiction Center at the University of Otago. Okay, so uh, Kieran, looking at the last comments, sorry, but we also do have the same issues. Yeah. Next comments from Janine. It is not just a New Zealand thing. Youngsters across the world binge drink. We're going to go back to some stats. So many young people drink alcohol in the States. That isn't going to be surprising. A study found that in 2019, about 25% of 14 to 15 year olds, I will repeat that, 25% 25% of 14 to 15 year olds reported to hold having... Up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Can we just stop blaming other nations for a second? Can we just stop putting the blame on other nations? It's actually ridiculous. I mean, true. Like, Janine is kind of saying, like, yo, everybody does it. There's binge drinking, and then there's drinking in every social situation. That's true. Janine doesn't acknowledge that it's not a problem, which is healthy. So they're coming from the side of it's a problem for all youngsters, or it's not that big of a problem because everyone does it. But either way, we have to actually look at, stop saying that, hey, all the youngsters are doing it around the world. That doesn't mean it's all right. Yeah, you're right. Next comment from Lynette. Smoking has been cut back dramatically in New Zealand. Let's do the same with drinking of alcohol. Stand up and dare to be different. Don't be afraid to set the example. You will be surprised just how respected you will be for it. I mean, Lynette's got bars. Look, our smoke-free commitment hit the world by storm. And I remember—I actually remember it myself. Mm. The movement actually did do really well around the country. Now, obviously, vaping has come through and kind of taken over a lot of people's lives, whether you're young or old. And similar to the age restrictions we saw on cigarettes in the last year and how they've gotten stricter and stricter, will have the same effect it did when we did the same thing on alcohol with the mm. six o'clock swill. I mean, not to mention Chloe Swarbrick's campaign against alcohol advertising in sports and kind of removing alcohol from the center stage it has in our country's psyche, but also in our sporting systems. 
So Lynette clearly thinks that the changes we've seen in the culture and the perspective on smoking can be mirrored when it comes to drinking. But do you? I think that you're right in terms of the cutting back on smoking. We've already seen it. But I think that for drinking, we've got a culture here in New Zealand. Fucking floored to somebody. One new voicemail message. Message received today at 12.01pm. Kia ora, I'm Pac. Um, I don't think there's shame within our community in the way that we came together to support each other. Um, rather, there's a little bit more shame around the way that... <laughs>